Hi, I am Faiza Rizvi. With me today is Paul Gordon, Managing Director and Senior Partner at the Boston Consulting Group, who heads the firm's North American energy practice. Today, Paul and I will discuss how the climate-related policy changes can impact the North American shale market. We'll also talk about continued economic strain from the pandemic and what the future holds for the oil and gas investments in a new risk environment. Thank you so much, Paul, for joining us today. Pleasure now, to be here. Right. The U.S. is officially rejoining the 2015 Paris Climate Agreement. And as we know, fighting climate change is one of the top priorities of the Biden administration. Now, tell us, Paul, what does this mean for the U.S. oil and gas industry and how will this shape the future of the energy sector? Yeah, no, it's a it's a great question. We're glad to see the U.S. reengaging on the international stage in the discussions of climate change. First of all, rejoining the Paris Climate Accord is really just committing us to chart a national pathway to limit climate change to less than 1.5 degrees Celsius. So we have really only recommitted ourselves to international dialogue and engagement on climate change and to have a dialogue and create a national policy. So what that means in practice is that we now have to discuss as a country and put in place a plan and policies to address climate change. The real impacts to the oil and gas industry will stem from what actions we create in that plan. And with a largely uh, equally split Congress, most of the actions will stem from what can the executive branch do around current and existing regulations such as the Clean Air Act, and then where can we get consensus in Congress to progress our climate change goals. So I think in reality, we're probably a year or more out from seeing any conclusion to that dialogue, given that we need to work with the divided Congress to make any substantial changes. In the short term, we expect to continue to see more stringent CAFE standards. We expect to see uh, more stringent limits on methane emissions and further attempts to use the Clean Air Act to regulate oil and gas emissions. Although we expect those to continue to be litigated in court uh, slimming the near-term impact of those actions. Right, thank you for that insight, Paul. Now, according to some recent BCG findings, without sufficient investment, we could see a potential slowdown of global economic recovery. And not just that, lack of investments could also threaten the energy security. Um, can you talk to us about the future of oil and gas investments in this new risk environment? Yeah, absolutely, it's a, it's a great question. And the COVID-19 pandemic has brought steeper CapEx cuts than the industry has seen in many, many decades. For comparison, we cut CapEx uh, in the 2016 downturn by about 25%. BCG's most recent estimate is that the COVID-19 pandemic has reduced EMP CapEx by 30 to 35% off of 2019 spending levels. Before the pandemic, we were producing about 100 million barrels of oil a day, plus or minus. And just based on natural declines by the end of this year, we will need to replace about 27 million barrels of oil a day without future investment. Currently, we're still 7 million barrels a day below peak. So any way we look at it, we will have to make substantial investments in production simply to maintain current oil consumption. In our long-term models, even with peak demand coming sooner, 
we estimate that by 2030, the world will need to replace about half of the current pre-pandemic oil production, or about 50 to 51 million barrels of oil a day. So what that means is under any climate change scenario, the world is going to need to invest well over a trillion dollars over the coming decades as we transition away from fossil fuels. The industry has, as I said, has underinvested over the last two to three years, and that's going to likely lead to higher prices and volatility in commodity prices as demand starts to recover from COVID towards the end of this year until long run investment can match the demand that we see in the world. After a challenging 2020, oil companies, as we know, are now eyeing market recovery strategies. Can you tell us how oil companies can transform their upstream businesses to deliver stronger returns? Yeah, absolutely. We've been working uh, with a lot of our clients on how do you respond to the pandemic. And there's been some short-term actions around cutting capital spending, reducing cash flow, and also reducing operating expenses to be able to remain resilient during the unprecedented times that we've seen in 2020 and early 2021. Beyond that, there's a much longer strategic dialogue that we're seeing with our clients around what is the appropriate portfolio? What assets do we need for the current price environment and for likely climate change and energy transition to remain a resilient and profitable EMP producer? Beyond that, companies are starting to embrace technology at scale using digital technologies to become far more flexible in how they develop and manage EMP assets at a much, much lower cost profile. And so we're seeing the long-term impacts of adoption of technology, advanced analytics in the industry as allowing it to settle in to a new lower forever type cost structure where we see oil prices in maybe the 40 to $60 range over the intermediate period. Interestingly, we're also starting to see discussions with host governments and resource holders where uh, the competitiveness of a country's reserves is now in question. And there is an industry dialogue with those host countries, with those resource owners about reshaping the fiscal and regulatory regime so those resources can be economically developed in today's price environment. And so we'll also see internationally different resource holders changing and adapting their fiscal and regulatory regimes to become more attractive as ultimately we will not develop all the world's petroleum reserves and different countries and resource holders in light of energy transition will wanna monetize them at different rates. So I think we'll also see some longer term dialogues with host countries, with international producers that will reshape the portfolios of the international oil companies. Right, thank you, Paul. Thank you for that insight. Uh, Paul, your company also recently released the annual value creation report. Can you share some of the key findings of the report with us? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, BCG has just released the 2020 edition of our annual value creators report in oil and gas. And of course, uh, IOC's international oil companies have continued to underperform the S&P 500 in total shareholder return for more than a decade. And that hasn't changed recently, unfortunately. COVID-19 added to the sector's challenges as the pandemic introduced a demand shock that sent oil and gas prices tumbling and some parts of the futures market to negative prices. During the pandemic, IOCs in particular have accelerated their transformation plans for a radically altered energy ecosystem. We see European players are really focusing on becoming broad-based energy companies, on shifting their portfolio and investment 
towards low and zero carbon technologies and generation. North American IOCs are keying on hydrocarbons in the medium term and focusing on increasing efficiencies and returns. Despite these different strategies, uh, both US and European-based companies continue to underperform broad market-based shareholder return metrics. The report highlights that US-based Chevron and France-based Total were the TSR winners thanks largely to balance sheet strength and payout sustainability. Our recent work and interviews with investors in the oil and gas sector highlight that 80% of investors in the oil and gas sector uh, think that companies should set and meet carbon reduction and climate change related goals. They also agreed that oil and gas companies should actively invest in new low carbon and zero carbon energy technologies. However, that dropped to only 60% of investors supporting those portfolio moves and those shifts if it dramatically impacted earnings. So the sector continues to be caught in a changing business, but also with a strong, strong focus on fundamentals around earnings, cash, and the balance sheet as they navigate energy transitions. The majority of investors also believe oil will be range bound between 40 and $60 between now and the mid 2020s, further putting pressure on financial discipline and resiliency of large oil companies. So value creation remains a challenge and a focus for the industry going into 2021. Right. Excellent. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for that great insights. Um, now, President Biden's executive order, Paul, has suspended new oil and gas leasing on federal lands for 60 days. How do you think this order will impact U.S. drillers in the long term? Yeah, no, it's a it's a great question. Uh, currently, about eight to 10 percent of U.S. oil production onshore is coming from federal land. So it's not a material impact to global oil markets. And we've seen that uh, play out in oil prices in recent days? The answer is, unfortunately, it really depends on where the Biden administration goes after the 60-day moratorium. The vast majority of drillers on federal lands maintain a large inventory of permits uh, given the lead time in obtaining federal drilling permits. So in the short term, we see very little uh, detrimental effect to drilling plans, and the larger companies uh, sometimes have up to three to five years of drilling permits on federal land, meaning that any impacts could be well into the future, even if the moratorium were to become permanent. The most important uh, question is whether or not the, the currently leased land will be open to drilling. If the Biden administration were to close leases to drilling, there'll certainly be litigation in the courts since oil companies have paid the federal government good money to obtain those leases. Most likely there'll be more stringent requirements for obtaining federal permits and then potentially a moratorium on new lease sales which will only shift producers to private lands and international EMP opportunities as their portfolios evolve over the coming years. Thank you so much, Paul. Thank you so much for your time. And on behalf of Heart Energy, I thank you once again for joining me today. No, thank you for having us. It's been my pleasure to be here.